We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, a change of pace for the Pat Mayo Experience. I think for the first time in six, seven years, we're doing a college football preview. I, listen, I got the Jones in to get some future bets in, so I need to get some future bets. Unfortunately, you know, I'm not going to listen to myself for any college ba- or I was say college basketball. That's how unfluent I am. College football future bets, be it on conferences, long shots, win totals, whatever it might be. I don't know. I need to bring someone on to talk about all this stuff. So... Rate, review, and subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience Audio Podcast. Smash like and sub to the channel while you're here. And welcome in from the Burning the Red Shirt Podcast, a contributor to the unabated for college football, Chris K. What's going on, my man? Not much. I'm, I'm doing kind of a little bit of a pod, uh, podcast radio tour, I'm calling it, just because <laughs> week zero of college football is here. Everybody's trying to talk more and more about it, and I'm trying to talk more about it, too. I love uh, the season's coming up. I love what we're doing at Unabated, and so I'm willing to go out and, and talk to anybody these days that'll listen to me. That's right. You're you're scumming the earth right now talking to me. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, someone's got to do it, you know. So I, I'm not beneath that. That's for sure. But <laughs> excited to chat with you a little bit and 
and uh, see what, what we can come up with today in terms of some futures for you. All right, cool. I, I'm just going to write these down. And I'll probably bet them as we go. DraftKings Sportsbook is where you should be placing your sports bets, by the way, for anyone out there who didn't know that. Additionally, if you're into the NFL which I hear a lot of people are. Not only do I have a litany of NFL content out right now with more very much on the way. Good shows, too. Win totals, win total drafts, how to bet, DraftKings preview. All that fun stuff is coming very soon on Mayo Media Network and the Pat Mayo Experience. However, if you want to build season-long fantasy projections to bet some, let's say, over-under player props for the year, runthesims.com is completely free for those projections. Completely customizable to make your own rankings and see the projections for the season. However, if you want the tools for daily fantasy or for prop betting or for whatever it is, it's all tools, runthesims.com, code Mayo, get you 10% off for the year. The annual deal is where it's at. Highly suggest you check it out. I was up like 20K last year on DraftKings, and I suck at DraftKings. All thanks to runthesims.com. Code Mayo. All right, where do you want to start with this, Chris? Do you want to start with the ACC? You want to start with the SEC? Because is the SEC still like the conference, at least for this season, before there's like one mega conference or whatever the hell I can piece together what's going on at the NCAA? <laughs> yeah, this is a hard time for college fo- uh, people not super familiar with college football to join in because it's about to get real crazy. But yeah, let's start SEC. They're, they're really the cream de la cream, you know, the best options, the best teams. Um, and honestly, there's I, I tried to come up with who I think would win and then a kind of a long shot bet to kind of, you know, everybody likes a, a like a longer shot play, a, a bigger money. Um, couldn't do it with SEC. I think George is just so incredibly talented. Their recruiting classes consistently are amazing. Their coaching staff is incredible. It's not often you get a team that has to replace their quarterback. Um, Stetson Bennett's gone after the last couple of seasons there. He played great in those championship runs. But it doesn't matter. They just have so much talent on all sides of the ball. And they also play in the SEC East, which is significantly weaker compared to the West, um, giving them kind of a a leg up and getting to the championship game, maybe a little bit easier, a little bit more or less unscathed. So I like Georgia to be the champion. I don't see another team in that conference that like realistically has some nice long shot odds. I think like LSU's odds are a little bit uh, juicier, but you know, in the West, that's a very competitive division, and they'd have to, you know, ultimately beat Georgia in the championship game. Uh, pretty tough task to to have there to, to have to beat them there at the end of the season. So I like Georgia's to win the conference. Not really too uh, crazy of a call, and I'm avoiding a long shot bet here. It's just too; they're just too good. It's just I don't see a world where they don't win the conference. So you have Georgia. They're minus 115 at DraftKings Sportsbook right now. And you mentioned Alabama. You mentioned LSU. They're you know three to one, four and a half to one. And then there's a severe drop off to Tennessee. So Georgia's toughest game just throughout the season is going to be against Tennessee, right? Yeah, it's at Tennessee, um, which will be a little interesting. They have uh, Bazooka Joe, as I call him, Joe Milton. Um, the former Michigan transfer that started, got beat out by Hendon Hooker, and then now is presumably taking the job. I, he's a little hit or miss. He could be absolutely incredible. He could lose the job by week six. Um, then after that, you have a home game against Ole Miss, and Ole Miss has notoriously started off strong, and then it kind of faded into the in the into the sun um, at the end of the season. So I don't consider really either of those two teams all that competitive and, and really going to challenge them this year. 
All right. So right now in the preseason AP poll, there are three SEC teams inside the top five. If let's say Georgia wins, we cash our bet at minus 115. That's amazing. I enjoy winning bets. What are the chances either basically LSU or Alabama ends up in the college football playoffs? I think it's possible either one could make it just because of the strength of the conference. And I think that team would likely be LSU. Um, Jane Daniels returns. They have a, a good core of running backs and some solid receivers as well to go along with a really good defense. Um, but, you know, it, it's just tough for me to be behind Alabama when they have, they kind of had a three man competition at quarterback. Now it's a two man competition. Both options seem very bleak. Um, and, you know, they don't have kind of the big hitter names at the other skill positions to kind of make up for what could be a potentially just average quarterback. And LSU has to play Alabama, then they'd have to beat Georgia. So that's the hard part is they automatically each have two very difficult games they have to win um, to be an SEC winner. Right. And you could have a thing where, I don't know, where LSU beats Alabama, yet somehow Alabama can sneak into the game. Then you have a bunch of teams with one loss. If Alabama wins that, then it's just a complete shit show, isn't it? Yeah, you get the whole three-man kind of weird – ties and that type of thing you know lsu has a really great first game against fsu great for fans very difficult uh for themselves so fsu and lsu have this rare situation where they're really top five top 10 teams but they play each other at the beginning so if they whoever loses almost has to win out to uh then make the playoff which will be interesting i think fsu has a way more uh way more likely shot at doing that than lsu does but um, it'll be a really good game at the very least the beginning of the season to, to entertain us. Is that the strategy though? Like a loss to a good team at the beginning of the year is obviously, you know, much better to lose in the end of August, early September than have that same game at the end of October and lose that one. I think there's some money that comes into play, right? They want to produce some big dollars for the programs, but it is also very nice to lose early rather than late. You know, teams tend to forget um, you know, those rankers tend to forget the the early loss as long as it's someone respectable. Um, you know, Georgia and Oregon played at the beginning of last year. And if we didn't see a Bo Nix injury towards the end of the season, they would have totally been in play to make the playoff um, with one loss, potentially two, um, just if they would have won the, uh, the division and then, you know, beaten USC with uh, uh, Caleb Williams as the Heisman Trophy winner, that would have been a big, big win for them. But yeah, lose early is typically the way to do it. Um, and then when we get expanded playoffs, I, I think we'll see some more competitive early games because there's more room for error as well. When is the extended playoffs going to come in? 2024. So this is the last year. So it kind of coincides with all the different uh, conferences mixing things up. So we'll see uh, we'll see the new style next year in 2024. But what's interesting is with all this shakeup, you know, the Pac-12, now the Pac-4, technically has like an automatic bid. So what does the playoff committee do there? So there's some potential rumblings that they kind of change things around of how that is uh, formatted, but that won't begin until 2024. So who will be left in, I guess, what is now called the Pac-12, which will be the Pac-4? Uh, so it's Cal, Stanford, uh, Washington State, and Oregon State. Those are like the four teams looking for a, for a home. So there's, you know, ACC has been talked about grabbing Stanford and Cal, which makes about as much sense as you can try to think of. It just doesn't. Um, 
And then Oregon State and Washington State, those are two rabid fan bases that that just might get left out in the cold, unfortunately. And the thought is, you know, does the Mountain West kind of absorb some of those teams? Do they take the best from the Mountain West and the best from the AAC and combine with those Pac-4 teams? So it's it's interesting. We're certainly a four-conference team or a four-conference type of a, of a league in a year, but uh, things won't be stopping for the next year in this realignment era. Do you like the realignment, or is it just like everyone else who was a fan of one of these teams? Like, this is just absolute bullshit. Like, I can't follow what's going on. <laughs> I, you know, I like it. All the teams that I follow are in a safe space. You know, they don't have to worry. I follow a couple different teams and they're, they're all good. I'm a Michigan fan. I'm a Virginia Tech graduate and I have Auburn season tickets. All those teams are safe. Tech may be the least safe. Um, It is a tough shake for all the non-football sports. And even uh, you could put basketball. Basketball is probably pretty safe there. Uh, but it's like the softball, the baseball, the swimming, all these different smaller teams are really getting, uh, I don't know, kind of getting the short end of the stick because their travel and, and all that type of stuff is going to be crazy and just not feasible. We, we probably you'll see some, some different teams and programs um, go away because it's just not financially there. But from a football perspective, I love it because it just creates more better games, you know, Everybody loves seeing Georgia play Bama and Michigan play Ohio State. But now we get like Michigan, USC and, you know, Wisconsin, UCLA, some of these bigger matchups that we probably wouldn't have seen um, without any sort of realignment. Yeah, there's, I guess, pre-realignment, even we'll see this year within conference play, when you have the dregs of each conference. It, it's kind of like when I used to watch wrestling in the early 90s and I'd watch WWF superstars and you would never see anyone good take on each other. That was exclusively on pay-per-view. It'd be like Hulk Hogan against the Brooklyn Brawler and crap like this, or just some random enhancement guy where his name, John Hart is taking on, I don't know, Bret Hart this week. And Bret Hart is just going to stomp a mud hole in this guy. And you really know what the outcome is going to be. At least this way, it's kind of like when WCW was on the rise and all of a sudden they're putting real matches on that forced the WWF to put these. And all of a sudden we're getting like Triple H against The Rock on Monday Night Raw. I, I, I'm kind of digging this as someone who's a bit of a lapsed college football fan. I mean, part of it is there's just way too many games for me to try and follow and at least feel like I have an edge on to try to bet on or to play Daily Fantasy on on any given Saturday. But at least if you give me a few marquee matchups, you know, I can just bet on those games like an absolute square and lose all my money. Yeah, this would be great for bettors because or anybody that wants to find some juice on some of these games because there's just going to be bigger primetime lights on some of these matchups. And, I, you know, you get less... 28 to zero in the first quarter type games. When you have this type of thing on ABC primetime, um, the only other negative I can think of to this is kind of this regional issue where some of your rivals are going to be much more difficult to schedule because like, for instance, Oregon's now in the big 10 Oregon state is in like a, an area where we have no idea where they're <laughs> going to go. Like, so how difficult will the, it be for them to schedule, uh, to schedule each other and what departments are going to be okay to do that. You know, uh, that was like a big Texas, Texas A&M thing is when A&M went to the SEC, that kind of rivalry stopped. Um, and those fans are absolutely crazy when it comes to those matchups. And, and we lost that. And uh, with Texas going to the SEC now as well, we'll see that again, which will be nice. But there was what, maybe like a 10 or 15 year gap where we just didn't get A&M against Texas, which 
I can understand why people are pretty bummed out about situations like that. Is it written in stone that if you transfer divisions in football that the whole school has to follow? Like, how did Notre Dame get away with being an independent in football, yet they could be in the Big East for basketball? Well, I think <laughs> Notre Dame is its own special beast here. So Notre Dame can somehow can do pretty much whatever they want. You know, they're an independent in football, but when it comes to all the other sports, they are ACC-affiliated. And it's all stems from TV contracts. Um, they don't have to split up their contract with NBC. It's Notre Dame. So any program, like any uh, d- different ESPN, ABC, all these guys will lo- would love a Notre Dame game, right? Like that's a program that's going to have tickets sold, that people are going to watch the games. So their TV contract is always astronomical, right? And then they don't have to share it. So it is funny how they got away with it. And they even play some ACC games each year, but they aren't a part of the ACC. It's really rare, uh, but it is funny how that's worked out for Notre Dame, and it's worked out in their favor for sure. So it's just a Notre Dame clause. Like it would make sense. Like if you say some of these like women's softball or water polo or whatever the hell sport that's not getting a ton of funding, especially for travel that, hey, we'll do this for basketball and football, but like we can keep like the regular Pac-12 for all the sports that no one cares about. Yeah, it's it's strictly you don't see this any sort of intermingling of uh, conferences. Maybe on like a like Villanova, those types where their other programs are maybe D three or D two or something like that. You'd see that, but Notre Dame's really the only program um, that does anything like that within the FBS level. Well, I don't want to talk about Notre Dame except for the fact that I hope that they're terrible this year. Are they going to be terrible this year? Because that's like one of my two rooting interests in college football. Uh, no, they won't be terrible. They'll probably win eight to nine games. Um, they have Sam Hartman, which is a really fun transfer from Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest. If you haven't heard about him in his 2022 season, you should. Essentially, he had like a late rib injury that caused them to remove a rib, oh, and like, he's oh, throwing for like, so he, 300 plus. He, he pulled like a Maryland yeah, Manson it, and got his ribs removed. It, like. It, it was some, some, I don't know about that, but he had some sort of uh rib injury that caused him to sit out. And then all of a sudden he's back out of nowhere and he's just incredible. So that's a fun one. Um, fun player to root for, but I'm too kind of on the anti Notre Dame side, but um, they'll be decent, you know, eight, nine wins. They don't have any true skill players that pop out. Um, no like crazy NFL prospects besides some offensive linemen like they typically do. Uh, and they they do tend to play a somewhat difficult schedule because they do always play USC um, and they play some other different random independent. I shouldn't say independent, um, just different teams throughout the conference, different conferences that are fairly competitive, like Army and Navy and those teams. <laughs> well, you know, Navy beat them a, a little while back, it felt like, but that's been many years ago. <laughs> Um, let's see who they got. They play Stanford. I know that they play some different random teams here and there. Uh, Ohio state, they play this year. So we can, we can hopefully bank on that one there, Louisville Duke, and they get the, uh, at Clemson this year. So some of those ACC games present a little bit of a challenge too. Let's talk about the PAC 12, since this is the last year that we're likely to be seeing this collection of teams in this conference. USC is currently the favorite, but you like Oregon, don't you? Yeah, I'm a um I'm one of the OG Bo Nix believers. And for a long time, that was a pretty tough life I lived. Um, he goes to Oregon, was phenomenal for them last year, gets hurt late, and it 
truly impacted how their offense looked. He should be back and completely healthy um, in 2023. Pac-12 is the rare situation where everyone's pretty much got a pretty difficult schedule. You know, you can see some of these different conferences and you see, okay, well, this team avoids so-and-so and and this team avoids so-and-so, right? So not the case in the Pac-12. Oregon gets, let's see here, they get USC and Oregon State, two difficult matchups, but they're at home. They do have to travel to Utah, I think fairly early, and then Washington. So four tough games, two of them at home is, is not too bad. And I'm not not on Utah this year in the earlier they anybody plays Utah this year, I think the better because there are some serious question marks. And ultimately I'm just not a believer of USC. I, I think their defense is just not good enough to cut it in, you know, teams like Washington, Oregon, Utah, when healthy, like they have all really good offenses and very, you know, at the very least average to decent defenses. So that'll make it pretty tough for USC to, to, you know, win the Pac-12 this year. I, I guess their path would just be, we're going to score 70 points every game and try to outscore us. Yeah, which which typically does not work. I mean, if there's anybody that's going to do it this year, it's USC. Their offense is incredible. They have four legitimate receivers, and then you add in one or two freshmen that are incredible. You have two great, capable running backs, and then a freshman that's awesome. It's just truly a matter of, does their defense improve at all? Um, and if it does, we should see some significant, uh, significant increase in how they perform. But, you know, there's just wasn't a ton of movement to that defense this offseason. That makes me think they're going to be that much better, if any. So they're coming in number six to start the year overall inside the country. And they're just below two to one to win the Pac-12 right now. If they got like a middling performance from their defense, like slightly below average, would that be good enough for them? Just don't be terrible. Yeah, I think if they get that, they're automatically going to win 10 games because they're going to probably average 40 plus a game offensively. It's just a matter of do, do they show up in the games that matter? You know, the Oregon game, the Washington game. If they sh- if the defense can just play adequate in those games, com- it turns everything around because well, Washington and Oregon are also going to score 35 to 40 points a game. And their defenses have been, you know, in the last five, 10 years, significantly better. Is it tough to trust either Oregon or Oregon State, knowing that all of their players are incapable of pumping their own gas? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I I thought that was just Jersey. Is it is Jersey like that too, or is yeah, it Oregon? I'm, it, you know, I don't venture out to the West Coast, so yeah, it's Jersey and Oregon. I don't get it. I wish I would have known that bef- before uh, putting this together. But <laughs> uh, you know, I do like Oregon State as well. So maybe their lack of having to pump gas is a positive. That's a good spin. I like fresh. that. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, they're not wasting those va- that valuable energy and inertia, pumping their own gas, just sitting around. And you're mm-hmm. never going to have a situation where they tell you not to use your cell phones when you're pumping your gas. That you know, if I was 20 years old, you know, I wouldn't listen to that sign. I have my cell phone out pumping my gas, and you know, who knows what could happen at that point? So yeah. low risk it, of injury be- at the gas station for these Oregon teams. But you like Oregon State as your long shot in the Pac-12. I do. Uh, I think it all starts with their head coach. I believe it's Jonathan Smith. Incredible background at Boise State and Washington. He's been super successful turning around Oregon State. Um, you know, they have a, a good quarterback. They have DJU. It's kind of weird to say that, but I think DJU is kind of turned a corner. We might see a little bit of 
some Bo Nix type situation where high level recruit underperforms, goes to a new scenery, a little bit less stress, and he performs at a much higher rate. They got an incredible sophomore running back, Damian Martinez, um, and formidable receivers. Uh, the defense is stout, you know, as, as stout as it can be in the Pac 12. So I like it. I think their head coach mixed with a capable quarterback, considering their odds, is a, is a pretty interesting bet. Um, you know, they get Washington and Utah at home, which is nice. And so, you know, it, I, I like them as a long shot because I do think they have some of the different pieces you need to, to surprise a team or you know, surprise a conference. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's move to the Big Ten. And when you take a look at the overall rankings, Michigan is number two. Ohio State is number three. So is it going to come down to these two again? I think it'll come down to three teams, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Um, We might get the weird trifecta of like, 
Michigan beat Ohio State, Ohio State beat Penn State, Penn State beat Michigan type situation where then it gets into some a, a pretty weird tiebreaker, if I remember correctly. But yeah, those three teams are really pretty strong. Um, the reason why I like Michigan the most is even with my bias, they return their quarterback, they return their two best skilled players. Their offensive line is incredible. Their defense remains super stout. It's going to be a top 10, top 15 defense. Um, and they get Ohio State at home. So two big things there is they get Ohio State at home, which is great for Harbaugh and the Wolverines. They get Penn State on the road, but Penn State made the bold decision to not do their crazy whiteout for that game. So that's a noon game, which, you know, if you've ever watched a Penn State night game, those things are crazy, huge advantage, and Michigan somehow avoided that. So I'm a huge Michigan fan in uh, to win that conference. All right, so Iowa is 12 to 1. So if it's not going to be one of the big three, why would it be Iowa? Oh, man, this is like the one that makes me like squirm. Like, I feel bad. Like, I told someone I was going to say this out loud, and they told me to like leave and <laughs> that they might fire me. But their schedule works enough. Um, they get Penn State on the road, which is difficult, and Wisconsin on the road, which might be easier than it seems. They avoid Michigan and Ohio State, and they're on the the West Division. So it's kind of one of those situations where they, they're going to get to the dance, probably. Like, they're more than likely, in my opinion, going to be in that conference championship game, and then all it takes is, is one day, right? One good game. Some of the different pieces there I like are a good young running back, Cade McNamara, who won the Big Ten with Michigan years ago as their quarterback, um, which is just going to elevate their offense. I mean, their offense has been truly the worst thing ever uh, the last five years. So basically, it just comes down to you're betting 12 to 1 on Iowa that they can get past Wisconsin and pull out a fluke in the championship game. I mean, that's a pretty viable path because if they get to that game, then they're going to be what? 3 to 1 underdogs, 4 to 1 underdogs? It seems like a pretty good price if you can get it. Yeah, and I think their skill players in, in de- I mean, their defense is always going to be incredible, right? Like their defense is probably going to score a touchdown a game type thing. They'll be that good. So, you know, if that offense can elevate themselves a little bit, you know, I don't think they beat Michigan, Ohio State, but like I've seen crazier things happen and all it takes is one weird injury or one kind of breakout performance from a player on Iowa. And all of a sudden that's a really appealing bet to me because they do have a, such an easy route to the championship game. Why Iowa over Wisconsin? So Wisconsin to me is... um they're, they have such turnover with their offense this year. They're not going to be so defense heavy as they used to be. And they're going to spread the ball around and pass a lot more. I don't like, they got a guy, Tanner Mordecai in there. I'm not a huge Mordecai fan. It is certainly an, you know, a much better option compared to what they've had in years past. But he still struggles in like, you know, so he was a quarterback. He was the quarterback at SMU. You may remember him because he had nine touchdown passes against uh, Houston last year, but he he disappears in some of these difficult matchups. And anytime it's raining or it's cold, he kind of gets even worse, right? So that's not the best place to go to if you're not great in bad weather, Wisconsin. So I don't c- consider Wisconsin on the road a super tough matchup, especially when Iowa isn't. You know, they don't they're not flashy. They appeal to the, you know, they do well in the snow, that type of cold weather. So they're not going to be phased by it. Um, I think Wisconsin needs a year or two before their offense becomes really an asset for them. 
um, to go on top of what will be for uh, for sure a strong defense. Big 12, Texas is even money as the favorite in the Big 12 right now. Oklahoma's plus 350, Kansas State's 5-1, to one, Texas Tech 10-1, to one, TCU, Baylor 16-18. Then there's a significant drop-off down to Kansas and then yeah, UCF and places like that. So would you go Texas or Oklahoma? I am an, an Oklahoma guy this year. I think quarterback play is so big in college football, and we saw that with them last year. They lost Dylan Gabriel, and it was like the offense just became 100 times worse. Um, he's a former UCF quarterback that's had a really great college career. Without him, Texas crushed him. They never had a chance. They had a lot of close losses. I think it was four losses by three points and one by seven. Um, and their schedule, obviously, is going to be appealing. Uh, they play TCU at home, which I'm not – I like TCU, and I, but I don't think they're super um, – scary for me like if i'm oklahoma i feel good against tcu and of course they play texas on the neutral field uh the red river rivalry uh like they always do so i think the schedule lines up for them well and i think as long as dylan gabriel stays upright that'll be a really good offense um and a good enough defense to uh to win the or win the conference so if it's not oklahoma it's not texas if we want to go down the board to try to find someone that could potentially upset in this conference, where would you be looking? Yeah, so I got two ones here. I made up for the SEC with this. Um, so TCU, I said, I, they don't scare me too much. But right out of the gate, we'll know if TCU can contend. Because it'll be Chandler Morris at quarterback. How good of an option is he for them? This uh, this Sonny Dykes offense is going to produce receivers and skill players that will perform and produce really well. Uh, they need a quarterback. So Chandler Morris actually beat out Max Duggan last year. Then he got hurt, and then he just never got the job back. And we saw what Max Duggan did. He went to the Heisman Trophy uh, ceremony and, and almost won that. So I think we'll know pretty early if if TCU is going to compete for it. I think at the number, plus 1,600, I, that's a decent bet to me. I think even longer of a shot is Central Florida in their first year in the Big 12. And it goes back to quarterback play, uh, John Rice Plumley. If you haven't heard of him, he's one of the most exciting players in college football. He is a he's a star baseball player for them and obviously star quarterback for them. If you, you need to look it up, it's pretty great. He was playing a baseball game for UCF. They helicoptered him out to the spring football game so he could play in that, like at the eighth inning or something like that. So incredible talent. And the big thing that's underrated for them is they have Gus Malzahn as their head coach. Um, incredible recruiter. He's gotten a ton of great transfers from other P5 programs to go to UCF, which is a little surprising considering, you know, UCF is or was a G5 team. And he he knows how to win in these big conferences. He was at Auburn in the SEC, and they performed really quite well with him there. So I like kind of his leadership there. And then, of course, looking at the schedule, they play at Oklahoma, at Kansas State, but they avoid Texas and TCU. So they do have a pretty appealing um, schedule from that standpoint as well. Okay. So I guess we just have the ACC to talk about. Is the ACC outside, I mean, is is Clemson still amazing or are they just falling back a little bit right now? I see they're number nine coming into the year. Florida State is number eight coming into the year. So is, does it just come down to one of those two teams? Yeah, I think it's truly a, a two-man race. Um, who's going who's gonna to perform more consistently? And it's truly FSU Clemson. So 
FSU. I'm going with FSU, even though um, they play at Clemson. Their their schedule in its entirety is significantly easier than than Clemson's. They get they avoid NC State, who's typically a strong team. They avoid UNC, who has a very likely top ten draft pick and Drake May at quarterback. Um, and instead, they play my Virginia Tech Cokies, who are coming off a two win season. They play Boston College. So some of these other opponents that Clemson has to face, like Duke, Miami, NC State, and Syracuse, they have to play all those teams on the road, and they're all pretty difficult matchups. So I think FSU's schedule is just so much softer. Um, If you look at the two teams, it's really scary how similar they are. Strong, strong defenses. um, Great, should be great quarterback play with Jordan Travis at FSU. And uh, what's this? Kate Klubnik at Clemson. Strong running back play with uh, Will Shipley at Clemson and Trey Benson at Florida State. I think Florida State's got a little bit of a leg up on the other skill positions. Their size is incredible. They have a 6'7 receiver in Johnny Wilson. They have a, um, a 6'5 receiver in Keon Coleman. Their tight end was a running back for half the year last year at South Carolina. So just a ton of talent and, and some size advantages, I think, that I think will help them win the you know win that game at Clemson this year and then kind of coast through the rest of their uh, conference schedule. Is there anyone at the back end of the ACC that might have a favorable schedule or could be an injury away from just being in the championship game? Yeah, I, I mentioned NC State earlier as a nice team that FSU gets to avoid. And I think they have a strong chance at kind of surprising people. So what's funny is NC State was kind of the the hot buzz team in the ACC last year, and they pretty much massively underperformed. FSU is kind of that team this year. I, you know, FSU has these national title buzz, this national title buzz around them. I think it's that's a little bit premature, but I do think they'll win the ACC. But I think NC State, ironically, is is a shocking team, a team that could shock them in the ACC. They have Brendan Armstrong, a sixth year guy that was at UVA. Now he's um, now he's at NC State reuniting with his old offensive coordinator that helped him put up an incredible season two years ago. Um, you should look him up. He wants to be, a, I think it's a WWE wrestler when he graduates. So maybe you'll you'll check him out more in the future <laughs> years. Um, and they have an old receiver, you know, a, a strong old receiver one. And NC State's always known for good defenses. So I, I think this is one of those times where an offensive coordinator like Robert and I at NC State will take his talent that he has, you know, Rosner as the receiver and Armstrong as the quarterback, utilize their talents and then find these younger guys and really maximize what they can do at such an early stage in their career. But their schedule is also favorable as well. Um, Home against Clemson, UNC, Louisville, and Miami, not the craziest of schedule there. And they also get to play my Hokies in Virginia, who are just going to be really, really really poor teams this year unfortunately so rosner is a sixth year wide receiver is he uh in law school or med oh, yeah. school uh, i think rosner actually did not like stetson you know stetson kind of <laughs> coasted and never got a degree but uh rosner is a sixth year guy i'm fairly positive he graduated um armstrong is another old guy i mean pat we'd go for days on sixth and seventh year guys it's just a matter of how much time you have so, you know 
I mean, I, I still think that college football should institute my rule that every team can have one legacy player on it. Just, I want to see Tim Tebow be the quarterback at Florida, like in perpetuity, until he gets so old he can't play anymore. But, you know, you're not going to the NFL. Yeah, hell, you don't want to sell insurance for a living. Just continue to play for our college team. You get to designate one guy every year. It'd be great. Well, Tebow would be the best quarterback on Florida still. So I think Florida fans, too, should, would be wanting that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a bit more problematic for college basketball where there are fewer people on the field at all times or on the court at all times where you just have this guy who dominates. You know, he wasn't great in the NBA. Let's bring him back. We'll pay him $10 bucks a year to play for Villanova or whatever it is. At least in football, you could pay the guys like $10 bucks, whatever you wanted to at this point, and they wouldn't have as big of an impact. I guess if you're a quarterback, you probably would. Anyway, this is what I want to see. Hence why they don't allow me to make decisions for college football. So we've gone over the major conferences. Are there any teams outside of these conferences that you think could make an impact and just be like, like the random team that's ranked 17th and like on November 17th, yet they're 10 and 0 somehow? Um, you know, I think the G5, it will be pretty interesting. Always good football, kind of crazy football, but I'm not sure off the top of my head if there's any big time competitors, you know, Coastal Carolina t- Pritz out a really good team, but their head coach has moved on, and you know he's such a great offensive mind. Um, nothing off the top of my head comes to me as is some strong competitors uh, from a, some of the different smaller conferences. Yeah, even looking at the top twenty-five, usually even in the preseason, you see one or two of them sneak in there, and you just don't. I guess Tulane is really the only one because they're in what the American Conference, AAC. Yeah, so two. Oh, they might be big. 12 now no they're aac it's so hard to keep up with some of these different ones but yeah i it's all going to come down to quarterback play so that's a good one right two lanes got michael pratt at quarterback this will be his final uh final year so he, they would be probably one of the teams in contention i really liked uh utsa um that's texas san antonio they have an incredible offense with seventh year quarterback frank harris um which another see another old guy here uh, led by the, you know, led by Harris, that offense will be really good. And they are in the AAC as well, I believe. And uh, it's just such a weak, these things are what really watered down compared to what they used to be. So like the AAC used to be kind of considered that next elite conference, kind of like that sixth one, but they lost Cincinnati. They lost UCF. Uh, they lost Houston, uh, all to the big 12. So that's really become more of a watered down conference. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they ran the table. They actually play a couple of really interesting games in the season. Houston, which will be fun. That should be super high scoring. But they also play Tennessee, which if I'm a Tennessee fan, I would certainly not consider that that one a locked in win. UTSA has been really productive. And what's only been, I think, like 10 or 15 years of them playing college football, period. So it's been quite impressive of a performance from them. Well, we've gone through the conferences, the winners, some long shots. I need some win totals for the year. So some ones that I can just sit there, watch as the season goes on, like, oh, we're getting close to this. Or this team started 0-4, perfect for my under. Yeah, so Auburn, I'm a season ticket holder. Um, I, it's, I'm going to go Auburn under. You know, I've seen them uh, too much. Uh, they get Hugh Freeze as their head coach, was which is a kind of a moral dilemma situation, right? Like, Hugh Freeze, if you know his background, it's not great. It's it's very scandalous, uh, we'll say. That'll be a nice way to put it. And But he's a great football mind, so kind of a, a give-take there. Problem with them is their schedule is just 
incredibly difficult. They play uh, UGA, LSU, Alabama, and Texas A&M. That's like, to me, that's four losses. And I, I consider those more surefire, right? They still they still play teams like Ole Miss, who we talked about as ranked. Um, Cal, Arkansas, Vandy, and Mississippi State. Based on their schedule, I ha- they have to win four of those, I think, five games for them to hit the six and a half number to go over. And so I, I like the under there. I, their quarterback, to put it, I don't think they have the pieces needed yet for the offense that Hugh Freeze brings in. They brought in a pretty immobile quarterback, not crazy immobile. He's not a statue, but he's not a runner. He won the job from, he was at Michigan State. He won the job at Auburn, uh, Auburn announced this past week. And it's just a bad fit. Like I, I, I just, I see a hard time. It's going to be a hard time for them to score consistently. And that team has got zero depth. Um, they've had some really, for the some pretty poor recruiting classes. So one or two injuries in that position could be in total shambles, which is not something you want to bank on in a, in a 12-game season. So I like their under. You talked about Iowa earlier in the Big Ten as a potential outside shot of getting to the championship game. If they somehow get to the championship game, I'm guessing they went over eight wins. Yeah, the the thing for them is, like we mentioned earlier, right? Their schedule is so soft. They, to me, they really only have one pretty automatic loss, and that's at Penn State. Um, they have a really soft out-of-conference schedule playing Utah State, Western Michigan, and uh, Iowa State, which typically Iowa State is a really difficult matchup. It's a rivalry game. I think they call that the Cyhawk trophy that you win. But they lost. Uh, they're not going to have their quarterback. They're not going to have their running back due to that betting scandal that's popped up this offseason. They've lost other players, so their depth is going to be really weak. So that Iowa State game goes from really competitive potential loss to Iowa sh- should be a, a pretty decent favorite there. Then, like I said, right, the Big Ten conference schedule for them is soft. They play Rutgers from the east, which is great for them. Nebraska, Northwestern, another Big Ten team that's had some scandal. Um, so- oh, that's another team, along with Notre Dame. I just whenever I see Northwestern on my screen, I want them to lose. Well, you get a lot more losses out of them. That's for sure. They are going to be extremely bad this year. They might win one or two games. Like I think their total has to be two and a half. If I remember correctly, it's something like two and a half or three. And uh, I'm inclined to go under, but I didn't feel good enough to talk about that today. So, you know, ultimately Iowa's schedule is just so soft. They have a lot of veterans. Their defense is super stout. So they're not going to lose games they shouldn't and so thus you know the over eight feels like a really good bet for me even as dirty as i feel saying that and bringing up iowa twice in one segment northwestern win total right now at DraftKings sportsbook is over under three wins yeah so they'd have to get four i don't know how they get there yeah they'd, but... they'd have to get four for you to lose that under like a three of push like sure maybe, maybe they luck something out i just can't wait to see like 80 percent of sports journalists have to cope with them being fucking terrible i love it yeah, and they will be terrible. It's just a mess. They're with their coaches gone, and you know every player has free reign, or at least did have free reign to transfer without any penalty. I believe the thing was, you know, it came out. Yeah, okay, well, anybody can transfer it without any penalty because of the issues that popped up with hazing, and it like didn't move the needle at all for anybody because everybody's like, well, they're not really the greatest, so I don't really want any of their players. So uh, their team is going to be uninspiring. Um, 
and their academics are super difficult that, that hold them back. Uh, their facilities, I don't believe are the greatest. So it's, they've got a lot of things going against them that just makes things very difficult for them to be a consistent winner. All right. So we have Iowa over Auburn under let's throw one more on. What do you got? Yeah. So I kind of mentioned it earlier, Utah, typically a great team. They've run into some issues with injuries that have me very scared about their overall performance. So Last year in the Rose Bowl, I should say this year in the Rose Bowl, January 1st, Cam Rising, their really good older quarterback, tore his ACL. Um, and apparently all the different quarterbacks are getting torn ACLs and recovering in time for the season. But Rising has, they've said a lot of different things about how they're doubting how um, how likely he is to be playing in week one. They also play Florida week one. So you know, usually I'm thinking, okay, well, a decent matchup, but with rising, they're fine. Now an average Florida team has a real shot at beating Utah in the in the season opener, mixed with Brant Keithy, who is uh, injured and potentially out. If you don't know who he is, he is a very um, versatile tight end. He was better than Dalton Kincaid, and Dalton Kincaid, I believe, was a first-round pick, uh, but Keithy... I believe also tore his ACL. So he missed most of last season. So it's, they're not sure if they're, if he's going to be back. Uh, so I am very concerned about how quickly they turn around, how quickly they're good when he is back in terms of cam rising's backup, his backup got seriously injured in like their first full day of tackling quarterbacks last week. So that is a major issue. So they're pretty much running on like, their third or fourth string quarterback until rising is healthy. I don't really see them as having any surefire losses. Um, and they have a bunch of tough games at Oregon state at USC at Washington. I believe they play Florida on a neutral site and they play Baylor at Baylor early. Baylor is a solid team that should win eight to nine win game, you know, eight to nine games. So that's not a pushover team at all. So getting to nine, which it's under eight and a half getting to nine feels like a pretty steep ask considering we're not even sure when rising will be back. Do you have anything for week one? Because based on what you just said, I just went and looked at it, Florida plus seven over Utah. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's not a bad option at all. You know, it's a Thursday game, which will be fun. You get some midweek juice. Everybody likes that, right? Done. Um, I'm in. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's such a tough sell. Uh, you know, looking at some of the different ones, you know, every I think what's isn't Colorado like the most bet on over? I think Colorado is the most bet on over under win total uh, this off season. I like TCU covering against them. I think that number is twenty and a half. And then you know, I mentioned how bad Virginia is going to be. I think Tennessee is going to try to disprove any doubters wrong in the first game. They're four touchdown favorites against UVA. I could see them easily winning by 40. So those are some of the different earlier ones in the season that I like. Um, it should be a fun first week. We get some good Sunday and Monday games too in, in the week one, which is kind of a classic college football move. Uh, I got to give a shout out to my main man, Adonis, Adon7x on Twitter. Because I always like to, if I'm going to bet on college football, I'll be tailing you now that we've just talked about Florida and TCU. Always like to tail him as well. He, he gave me UTEP. Uh, minus one against Jacksonville State in like one of the very first games of the college football season. So I will be betting that one as well. So it's not bad. Can, can you tell me about Colorado? Is like, is this a disaster or is Dion going to be like really good? 
This is going to be a disaster, I think. And not because I don't think Dion's any good. I think Dion's a great coach, an incredible recruiter, but they have the most turnover, I think, like ever in college football. Their defense was horrible last year, and they lost a lot of different players. What they brought in didn't really make up for what they lost. And it, I mean, this is like they make USC's defense look like Bama of the 2000s. It's just such a bad defense. I will say their offensive talent's really intriguing, but. I think anybody that's watched any of the spring game and some of the different practices of Colorado, the big thing that you hear is that they're just small. They're not a big team. They, they, uh, people worry about how they're going to be in the trenches, how they're going to cover bigger receivers, that type of thing. And that, I mean, that defense is absolutely atrocious. You know, last year, I think it felt like every single game, the spread was like 30 plus points and it felt like they never covered. I don't know. That's anecdotal, but uh, it did feel that way for a while. And I just think Dion is going to struggle um, in year one. I think year two, year three, he'll be really good because I just think he's a very good coach. He obviously connects with the players and the kids and he can you know sway them to get uh, to come. And I think he did a good job of getting guys drafted, which is always great at Jackson uh, State. So I think uh, at Colorado, we're going to need a year or two before they, they see uh, more than five or six wins. All right. Chris K, tell everyone where they can check out your content weekly during the college football season. Yeah, so I'm doing a bunch of different things this offseason and now in season, uh, Burning the Red Shirt podcast. Um, but really, the big thing I'm spending my time on this fall is between Campus to Canton, which is uh, more written content, and Unabated. So if you haven't heard of Unabated.com, it's an incredible uh, site, tons of different tools to help you bet. I will say they these picks were not reflections of what they would recommend what's really cool about unabated is they give you tool we give you tools to help you determine the best edges across all the different sports books because it feels like there's a hundred of them now kind of a teach a man how to fish rather than just give them fish as well allows you to kind of figure out the best bets for you and the best edges uh throughout every single day so i would say our college football content is going to be huge there the big thing in college football i don't know if you know this pat but there is zero rules about announcing injuries. So I think Schefter said last week, it's the first time he ever saw or on a depth chart. I would, I don't think I've ever seen a depth chart that didn't have at least one or I've seen four ors on a depth chart for a position. And I've seen guys think, you know, Hey, this guy's gonna be super healthy, super good to go for this game. And then he shows up in sweatpants and I have no idea about it. So at unabated, we're going to have all the breaking news, we have a team of three or four different guys that have done this for years and years and years with great ROIs playing DFS and props and things like that. And that injury news will really help you understand what props to bet, what games are going to give you your best edges. You know, how impactful is a Dylan Gabriel injury compared to a Cade McNamara injury? Things like that are going to be some of the different things that we provide for you over at Unabated. Hey, you can say hi to my buddy, Ben Kramer, Pete Jennings, Rufus, all over at the at unabated.com as well. So go check it out right now. Smash the like while you're here, by the way. Don't break your screen doing it. You can just caress the like button. That's good enough for me. Caress the subscribe button to Mayo Media Network as well. Or if you just prefer audio podcasts, get this show in audio form on the Pat Mayo Experience audio feed. If you're feeling generous, five-star review would go a long way. We talked about tools at the unabated. If you want NFL tools for both dfs and betting run the sims.com we'll have all of that for you code mayo to get 10 percent off over there thank you all for watching i'm pat mayo i'll see you next time mayo.
experience! Experience!